0: Welcome to The Wheel of Sport, brought to you by Melvin's Turnstile Network. My name's Ian McNally, and with me is... Matt Lavery. Hi, Matt. How's it How going? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, this is the podcast home of the greatest sport stories ever told. And uh, we'll we'll give The Wheel a spin straight away. Yeah, get let's into get it. straight into it. I'm excited. I'm very excited as well. Like, who knows what this episode will bring up. Maybe it'll be something special. I don't know. I don't know yet. Let's see what The Wheel decides. The topic for this episode is... Money Talks. That's a new one. Oh Matt, um I've this has been on the wheel for so long, Money Talks, and uh, I'll be I'll be frank with you Matt, I've been I've been dreading it. Yeah? Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not very good at money. I don't know very much about money. That's why I make, my, make our own podcast. We, do, we can just throw money against the wall for our army of listeners and get nothing in return. So clearly, I'm not very good at money. Okay. Uh, do, do you know much about. Uh, look, my dad's an accountant, but no, I'm not the. Uh, Did you not inherit that side I, of. No,
1: not at all, I'm afraid.
0: That's not so, so sort of, unfair. Um, uh... Well, Matt, uh, fortunately enough, I've uh, brought with me. Uh, One that I made earlier. Welcome from the podcast called Financial Autonomy, Paul Benson. Hi, Paul. Hello, Paul. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much for having me on. No, that was a left turn. I reckon no one was expecting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, very excited to be on the wheel of sport guys uh, what is it long time listener first time caller and, uh, yeah very excited to be here
0: well we're very excited to have you because uh, money talks clearly in sport money plays a huge role and an ever-increasing role the topics we've covered in our podcast so far Money has probably come up, but we just haven't delved into it to the extent that we we need a Paul as an expert. Your your podcast Financial Autonomy is tremendous, so any listeners should log onto that and uh, subscribe. But Paul, what are you going to give to us
2: for this Money Talks? Well, look, thanks, Ian. Thanks very much. Look, I think when we talk, you know, money and sport, there's definitely one sport that that I'm a fan of, and that and that certainly springs immediately to mind when you think money. Uh, and that would have to be Formula One, Ian. Uh, you know, Formula One basically, it, 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 it drinks money. It's like a, like a vampire drinking blood. I mean, it just... Or, or it, a Formula One car drinking uh, petrol. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> extraordinary. The, uh, I, I saw uh, the Ferrari budget this year, $590 million to race for one year. For one year, one year that's that is Ferrari's like the budget. GDP of the Republic of Ireland. It's, <laughs> it's extraordinary. extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not hard. You know, if you think about Formula One and the logistics of moving the cars and all the teams and the tyres and the fuel and everything all around the world, it's it's not hard to understand why it's an expensive sport to put together. But certainly, uh, yeah, when you think money and sport, I, I think you know you couldn't you couldn't find anything bigger than Formula One. It's not just the uh, the the
1: budget spent as well there's something about it which just feels indulgent maybe it's particularly monaco everyone on their yachts all the celebrities all all the suits all the dresses all the the, the alcohol well not the drivers but the alcohol the, the huge
0: magnums of champagne you all, know i look at it like uh, monte carlo monaco and all that is that the same place is that no but no it's
1: all, it's all <laughs> the same got different, different names
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're different places <laughs> <laughs> we need to get geography experts on next time uh, <laughs> the wheel of where. Uh, so Monaco when you look at that I just look at all the yachts and look at all the champagne being drunk and these exclusive clubs and everything like that I just think they're my people you reckon you'd fit right in oh absolutely yeah i'm sure
1: apologies to our listeners in ireland
0: (laughs) and also also, i'm a little bit hurt that both of you laugh so hard (laughs) (laughs) but it is an indulgent it's a it's a luxurious and also all of the sponsorship that's associated with formula one is it's high-end stuff isn't it it's not you know Coles sponsoring the Formula 1 team it's really
2: high end exactly right i mean you talk about Ferrari you've got Mercedes in there at the top at the moment and and yeah it is the big brands but i guess when you think about sponsorship there is there is one particular you know type of sponsor uh, that Formula One, I guess, is particularly well known for uh, and particularly attached to. A- and that, of course, is, is your tobacco sponsorship. Of and, uh, you know, just recently uh, we've had Nicky Lauda pass away. And so there's been a bit of, you know, imagery of, of him on the screen. And, y- you know, you can't escape the Marlboro uh, red and white and, and, and the black font uh, yep. of, of the sponsorship on his cars, particularly the, the final Ferrari. Uh, plenty of Ayrton Centre in recent times because I think it was the anniversary of his death fairly recently. So, you know, there's a bit of publicity there and, you know, every shot you saw was the Marlboro brand. At, you know, tobacco sponsorship and Formula One, it, it really transformed the sport. So Formula One kicked off in 1950, and it was a you know it was a relatively small thing it was six races included indianapolis 500 which never really flew because the teams couldn't be bothered going over to the us so that didn't last too long so they kind of trundled away there for a while but it all changed 1968 they decided right we're going to open this up to advertising prior to that most of the the car liveries were sort of nationality based 68 opens up to advertising and pretty much straight away uh, the tobacco companies get in um, the most famous of which is, is Philip Morris, which is the Marlboro brand. Um, but certainly early on, there was the Johnny Player Special cars. They were sort yeah. of black with gold font. That's quite a famous-looking car. Um, and, you know, really they, they, they sort of took over, took over the sport but really propelled the sport forward too in terms of just the money that the tobacco companies could throw at it. And... And incredibly successful because um, particularly, say, the Marlboro brand, prior to its association with Formula One, it was just a U.S. cigarette company. It really had no recognition outside the United States. Really? And yet, you know, they sponsored the Formula One, initially McLaren, later uh, Ferrari, and, and it became just a dominant global brand. You know, it was wow. an enormous success story for them. Uh, and, you know, other brands obviously followed. You had Benson and Hedges and you know tobacco brands that I didn't even recognise. You know, they must have been European brands. Um, but, yeah, very, very successful. At one point, I come across a couple of interesting stats around, um, you know, tobacco and, and its involvement in Formula One. Uh, in At some point in the 1970s, they did a study on the broadcast of a Formula One race and found that the Marlboro brand could be seen for... Almost fifty percent of the entire broadcast. Wow! <laughs> so you know, you think about normal advertising, and you've got a TV program, and you've got some ads spliced in the middle. Here, you have a you know a two hour race, and for an hour of that, the, the sponsor's getting their logo put up on the screen. Like and it's
1: just that's just all around the track, is it? In addition to
2: all well, it's of the, cars correct, and the, the cars and deliveries, correct? On the cars, it's it's on the the, the mechanics uh, overalls. Yeah. it's 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 everywhere. You know, I mean, they didn't. I didn't miss out you know
0: <laughs> so well it's genius as well isn't it The any advertising in sports because you have the, the the big live events but of course any crash or any incidents any pit stop fire anything that happens is replayed on the six o'clock news the ten o'clock news it's replayed and then they'll show it at the weekend and then it'll get replayed and then videos will come out and then people buy those it just carries on you seeing so it's not just in the moments but you're advertising effectively for another 150 years was, <laughs> or as you
1: say we're looking back at pictures of and Senna and still seeing the advertising that was spent back then yeah, yeah. and if
0: those products are still around you're still selling. Yeah, it's it's such good
2: value, really. For from and a, the cars lend themselves to it as well. You know, like if you sponsor a tennis player, well, maybe you can have a little logo on his t shirt or something like that. But you can never get the same degree of exposure of your brand as you can on the side of a car or on the back, or you know what? Like it's it, it it's it's a mobile billboard. I mean, it's just it's it's fantastic. You know, and it's, the Marlboro
0: is like it's like an arrow as well, which fits in with like you know. Progress, going yeah. on and they're like Milk, yeah, that's cool. chevron, yeah, yeah, the chevron, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it, it's actually interesting you to say about um, how you know the explosion in tobacco companies getting into Formula One when as soon as it opened itself to advertising, because in Australia, advertising directly tobacco companies it was outlawed um, by federal legislation in 1976. It was remarkably early. But all this caused was a massive uptake in tobacco companies advertising indirectly. That's right. <laughs> and incidentally, it's called, indirect and incidentally, in every Australian sport
2: <laughs> possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, we- look, if you think about that stat, about the fact that in a race yeah. you could see the Marlboro brand for half the race, I mean, if, if you are in a situation, and, and, yeah, those those smoking bans, you know, they, they rolled out progressively through the world, you know, if you're trying to promote into those countries... And, you know, you can hold a race in Brazil or wherever. You know, all your viewers are sitting there on TV just soaking up your sponsorship. But, uh, you know, it's a fantastic workaround, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, very clever,
0: you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, in the summer of 81, uh, um, Benton Hedges sponsored the uh, Test Cricket in Australia. Mm-hmm. Now, the eighty-eighty-one season, they guaranteed at least 72 hours of coverage and that included forty thousand exposures of the name Benson and Hedges on a single channel. Wow! So the the extent to which, like these, this is in, in an environment where smoking advertising is banned. And <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it seems um, really strange that you know that that legislation would have such a, a you know a negative effect on you know the explosion of, but also. You talk about the millions that are put into Formula One just as one sport, which sounds a lot. But for the tobacco companies, this is exceptional value, isn't it? It's If you're getting that much
2: exposure. I, I come across a um, another study I remember reading where, and this was in the 90s, it was a little bit later, but they estimated that of the total cost to run Formula One, tobacco sponsorship was picking up a third of the tab. So, wow. every, you know, TV rights, you know, ticket prices to get into the events, all the other sponsors, every other bit of revenue. I mean, TV rights must have been pretty significant. Yeah, of course. But a third of all the revenue of Formula One, t- tobacco. Well, another sport
0: which probably is more familiar to UK um, people is world snooker. Oh, no, <laughs> now, you love your snooker, Ian. I do love the snooker. <laughs> and please go back to listen to previous snooker episodes. But the snooker. Um, for years for for myself grown up was always the the world championship was called the embassy world championship sponsored by big tobacco and at the time that tobacco money was in snooker it accounted for 70% of the revenue of snooker and when um, new labour got in in power in the late 90s in the UK they actually um, snooker threatened to go to Brazil because they said the sport's going to die without tobacco money, and we we need to have it's it's a world event, and so they created a separate like legislation sort of um, allowance for sports that had a world audience Mm. to allow to continue for a three-year period. And what, they managed to trick the parliamentarians into thinking snooker had a world audience? Well, I just love the idea of men (laughs) going from dicky bows to like samba little budgie (laughs) smugglers playing snooker in fake tan and like people, you know, playing snooker on the beach. That would get a world audience. (laughs) But 70% of revenue, like it's not insignificant. And you're talking about potentially a collapse of a sport. So you can see how legislators are um, compromised trying to keep and also tax revenue from tobacco is, wow. is amazing from like what 800 million dollars if you spend 800 million dollars on cigarettes the government gets something like 600 million it's it's a great feat so tell us a little bit more about the impact of well because well, well, actually tell us about the positive impact there we sh- say well, on, well, like, well the
2: positive impact is certainly you know the money came coming into the sport meant that particularly the mid-tier teams, could spend more money on drivers and Probably the best example of that was the Jordan team. Uh, so they had uh, Benson and Hedges was their sponsor, so they tended to be yellow and black. And and Jordan was a pretty a pretty colourful team. So in fact, uh, you mentioned the Irish listeners, so they'd they'd be keen because the the owner there, Eddie Jordan, was an Irishman. Mm. And uh, yeah, he certainly added a bit of colour to the grid. And, and you know, they had a bit of fun. And Jordan was never never a top team. It was never a Ferrari, right? But courtesy of tobacco money, they could afford to buy good drivers. You know, so they they had damon hill they had michael schumacher in there at one point um, and and with those good drivers and a you know and a half decent car they were able to get on the podium and get some wins um, so that was certainly a good element it, it the, the the tobacco money meant that the the teams were cashed up they could buy the best drivers obviously the tobacco sponsors you know they wanted their cars shown on tv which means they wanted them up the front uh and so they needed success and so it did tend to mean that you got the best drivers anywhere they could be found in the world would tend to be drawn to Formula One, uh, and I guess maybe that's something that you know some people feel feel has changed. Mm. Um, um, uh, uh, Matt, you might have yeah. Got, well, some uh, thoughts on that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's
1: exactly what you say. I mean, back back under Jordan with the Benson Hedges cash, as you say, they used to get on the podium regularly and really mix it up. Um, but these days, perhaps without the the tobacco money, those mid-tier teams aren't able to attract the top drivers. Um, So instead, without that cash, they're looking for cash from elsewhere. So, for example, um, you might bring in a Venezuelan oil company, for example. So Lotus um, have a driver, uh, Pastor Maldonado, who's a Venezuelan. He's basically sponsored because by the Venezuelan oil company, knowing that the people of Venezuela are going to tune in to watch him. So he's he comes with his own financial backing as a driver. So he's almost paid... Or they're, they're paying uh, Jordan to... Sorry, not Jordan, Lotus, to have him in the squad. Um, Force India, it's, it's a similar thing with uh, Sergio Perez. His cash comes from a group of Mexican businessmen. He's a Mexican. And it means that, uh, yeah, it, these guys... They're probably not the best drivers. You know, they're capable drivers, but they're probably not of the the talent and ability of the drivers that uh, that Jordan would have had back in the day of the tobacco money. It's, it's
2: interesting that. you mentioned Force India there because, of course, Force India they got in a bit of financial difficulty last year, and uh, um, you know they're they're under new ownership now. They've still got the same sort of colours, but they uh, Racing Point uh, is the same the same team. And Racing Point was purchased. Primarily by Lance Stroll's father, and Lance Stroll was a driver at Williams, mm-hmm. um, but extraordinarily wealthy, uh, wealthy enough to buy a Formula One team for his son to drive in, right? Yes. So, so he buys buys the team, and obviously his son needs to be found a seat. So one of the Force India drivers has got to go. It ain't Sergio Perez, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly the reason you said, because Sergio Perez brings the money, so he keeps his seat. Carlos uh, Saints, you're out, you know? uh so it is interesting those yeah those kind of links and i mean i don't know all the details but you know um daniel kiviat he's back in formula one now he had a bit of a crack he at one point he got elevated to red bull uh i think he might have had one win at the russian grand prix but generally um he, he was often more of an obstacle you know he yeah. caused plenty of crashes and there was a bit of a question mark as to you know how did you manage to get up the top here well you know, something to do with Russian money, it, it, it must have been, you know, because, uh, um, you know, there's just no other explanation for how he managed to get where he was. I must say, since he's come back, he's doing a bit better. So good luck to him. But, uh, you know, it, 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 again, it just gets back to that without the tobacco money, there's a bit less sort of merit involved in the driver selections and yeah. a bit more around who can bring bring money to the table. Do, where do you think the best drivers
1: go then? Or do you think they just don't get into, the, into sport in the first place?
2: Yeah, look, I, I suspect, yeah, they're just not necessarily getting the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's always, you know, there's IndyCar, there's NASCAR, there's there's plenty of money over in the States, I guess, that yeah. will draw some drivers. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there's only so many seats and, uh, you know, sometimes the best drivers, maybe they're not getting a look or even, you know, I guess it's hard to know, isn't it, when drivers are 18, 19, 20, are they going to develop into the best drivers? They've got to be given the opportunity to sit in a quality vehicle and, and, and show what they can do and... And, you know, if they can't front up the cash to 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 get that opportunity. And look, there's always been, you know, drivers have always um, done those type of things. I mean, uh, so Nicky Lauder's been in the press a little bit and there was talk about him coming up with 300,000. I don't know what they would have been. He was from Austria. So whatever the currency would have been back in the 70s. But, you know, he had to come up with money to get in. And, and I believe Michael Schumacher put some money in to get his first go. Yep. So there's always been a little bit of that in Formula well,
1: 1. Well, that's it. I mean, it's not a... It's, I don't think it's ever been a poor man's sport, right? Correct. It, it's,
0: uh, it's expensive even at the grassroots level. I, I've seen uh, footage of Erton Senna playing uh, snooker on the beach. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's a, it is a rich man's sport. Yeah, he, he, I, yeah, he didn't come from a poor, <laughs> uh, a poor family
2: for sure. No, uh, absolutely. But
0: even for
1: kids, you know, you go to uh, like a go-kart track. It's expensive. You know, yeah. it's, you have to have money if you want to do that every week as opposed mm-hmm. to other sports where... You know, you buy the ball once and then that's it. You can, you can play till it bursts. Although where I grew up, there was plenty
0: of teenagers driving around in cars. There shouldn't be so... <laughs> <laughs> Talking of NASCAR as well, NASCAR is, is massive as well. And it, probably NASCAR is probably not as international as uh, Formula One, just because it's kind of, it's got that real kind of hillbilly image and, um, and also they just drive around in an oval. Mainly, don't they? So it's um. But this is a really good example of of a, a way a sport colluded with the tobacco companies, and then the press also collude to make the tobacco money go even further. Because NASCAR, they refuse to drop cigarette brand names from the coverage of their events, and and the press follow suit. So if you think about like the famous NASCAR is the Winston Cup. Right. well Winston is a brand of cigarettes
2: yeah and they're still getting away with it <laughs> so Incredible. they so
0: they call it the Winston Cup and um, it gets called that it becomes synonymous and then uh, the press call it that as well so even if you ban it it's like uh, the Perrier award in at Ed, the Edinburgh festival everyone's still refer it. it's had numerous sponsors since but because it was so popular in the 90s as the Perrier award when it's sponsored by Perrier then it just maintains that name so and the same with um they had a professional women's tennis tour which was called the virginia slims of course like that is wrong on many levels but that is just the name of the so that took precedence again but one of the interesting things as well and i don't know how this works out formula one with it being a more luxurious brand more luxurious than nascar but um (laughs) 28% 28% of, of uh, NASCAR fans are more likely to smoke as adults. Yeah. Right, and whether that's a direct result of, you know, socioeconomic or whether it's it's branding and, and things like the dominance of the Winston Cup. But recently, they actually had the brand taken over um, by Nicorette.
2: Yeah, <laughs> nice segue. Nice. <laughs> so
0: they, like, literally had someone come in to put out the fire. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so
0: they had a problem with the tobacco branding, and they Nick- have sponsored in Formula One as well.
2: On that, you know, bringing in tobacco sponsorship, and you know, how else can we do it? Another clever way that the F1 teams did it was to start um, naming the whole team. Uh, after, a, 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 you know, the, the tobacco company, right? So so the best one was BAR, which was British American Racing, and British American Tobacco, of course, was one of the biggest the biggest companies. So they, you know, bought a team, and it's British American Racing, and, and then, you know, even, as you say, even if they can't have it on television, well, the, it's the team name. What can we do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think some of the other teams did a similar thing. Well, um, it but,
0: is really confusing because you can legislate in your own country, but for example, it was tobacco advertisements banned on the BBC, but they had the right to Formula One, yep, and the snooker, yeah. So
2: they they still showed it, and did they showed eventually. Because eventually, BBC gave it away, didn't they? I, I think they did, yeah. Do, do you know was it tobacco? Was tobacco sponsorship a factor in the BBC walking away from F one or not?
0: No, not at all. I think it was okay. just a complete finance issue, um, and also the perhaps an audience and and value for. Because obviously the BBC are, are funded by license in a u- mm. unique way, um, but yeah, they they were tied by the rules of their, the the countries that the events were filmed in, rather than their own yes. rules. Um, so, like the Mexican Grand Prix was completely screened with adverts for Marlboro, Johnny Player cigarettes on the sponsored cars. Just no restriction on showing that. So, you you because it's an international sport, you're really tied. Yeah, it what are you going to do? Pixelate do? it out. I mean, and like, and I'd
2: imagine. I mean, is the BBC yeah. the same as the ABC in Australia? It Doesn't have any advertising ordinarily in programs. Yeah, progress. correct. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, no yeah, advertising. Yeah, so, so it's it's a, almost a bit of a doubling down, isn't it? It's not only getting around the fact that they normally don't have advertising, <laughs> yeah. but it's like the whole program is one big ad. You know, like yeah. it, it just couldn't get any better, could it?
0: Yeah, and it may it again. It makes that dollar for the advertisers go that bit further because yep. you, you're getting on a channel where people watch it because it's got no ads and then all of a sudden you're exposed it's... to product placements which is it's just remarkable. And I suppose um, one argument is to say that these ads have no effect on you know people <gasps> taking off yeah, sure. tobacco. i no,
2: sure you know, the tobacco companies <laughs> throw t- money at it for no effect. I was going to say, why would generous... they do
0: that? This is yeah. what they previously <laughs> argued but they have occasionally slipped up and you know, said as much that it has a huge effect, particularly on a younger viewer mm. as well. Well, I, I heard a sort of argument
1: that it, it the, the impact of the tobacco advertising I mean, I'm skeptical, I'd say it probably would get a younger viewer into smoking, but it's more about the brand, and you might have a favorite team, and then you'll smoke their cigarettes
2: based on that uh i can totally understand that i mean look i, I mean i've been interested in the, the australian drivers of course which was mark webber more recently daniel ricardo now mark webber uh, was driving for red bull um i'm not a big red bull consumer but you know when red bull were doing well their engine was was renault and certainly you know when we would come around to updating our cars that had an impact on us. So I drive a Renault now. Right. Uh, and the fact that now Daniel Ricciardo's moved to the Renault team is just gold. I'm happy as. <laughs> you didn't need to buy a new car. didn't buy a new car. And if you hadn't gone to Ferrari, there ain't going to be no Ferrari yeah. in the garage. <laughs> so Renault, good. I can afford one of those. But, you know, obviously it's not the entire decision. But it does have an influence. It's nice to think, you know, you're barracking for your team and you've got some sort of association with them. I love it.
0: Massively. It, it's hilarious because uh, I'm very proud to drive a Honda Jazz.
2: Well, right, you're know, you with Red Bull now, then.
0: Correct. So, uh, but the guy when I went to buy this Honda Jazz in the showroom, the guy said to me, he said, uh, "This it's an automatic gearbox." I can drive a manual. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> this is it was automatic. To change gear in manual mode, yeah. it's got the two flappy... It's got the paddles. paddles like, like on an on F1. The, yeah, on the back of the steering. And he so says... trickle down. Yeah, he said, this is inspired by the Formula 1 team. I said, mate, this is a Honda Jazz. I said, I'm the only person under 30 who hasn't got mobility issues driving it. It's like, I, I could not care less about my image of the Formula 1. I have given up.
1: <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's great that though the, the formula one steering wheel yeah he <laughs>
2: I, I, I actually put a spoiler on the back as well. oh brilliant <laughs> mind you the formula one cars at the moment they're 1.6 litre so maybe the engine's not far off either
0: it is, won't be far off that as well that's fantastic 1.6 litre
2: of the current f1 f1 engines goodness me it's extraordinary isn't it hybrid engines that's mad. That yeah, is amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it definitely does have an effect, doesn't it? And uh, we're all smoking cigarettes right now as we <laughs> record so it. And can I say, it's tasting delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so although the overall tobacco ban in Australia was in 1976, the ban for tobacco advertising in sport wasn't until 1992. That's quite a lag, isn't it? In terms of like you would think an, a ban on tobacco advertising would mean that yeah so for an extra 16 years you can just keep advertising but only in sport as long as it's indirect and uh, <laughs> it's not you know but as as discussed before you know that the length of time that you know when you advertise in test cricket one estimate was like it was 88 minutes of coverage just on tobacco companies within that test cricket game in the in the early 90s like just before the ban came in and certainly in the in the 80s it was massive but I suppose we've talked a lot about how good value this is for tobacco companies in terms of what they get out of their dollar but it's not an accident um the tobacco companies sponsored the rugby league in Australia here's like the terms and conditions of. What they wanted from the league, so they had to fly Winfield flags at all competition matches. <laughs> they had to play the Winfield theme at all comp- competition a matches. Company
1: has a theme? Yeah, like I think theme song. Yeah, a theme wow. song.
0: I think wow. it was actually like. Fr- um, I think the Winfield one was actually um a piece of classical music. Okay. So uh, just associated with the with the ads. So their own um, national anthem. They did. They did. They uh, were appropriate. Which would be never, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's like play this at this at the rugby where appropriate. Okay. So so I won't do that. Um then the terminology Winfield Premiership had to be adopted by the league in all material relating to the competition, including public announcements, interviews and press releases. So if you were doing an interview after the game <laughs> You'd have to say, oh, I hope we win the Winfield Premiership this year. If you just said, I hope we win the league, you were in strife. That still goes on now, though, across all sports, I'd say, in all all advertising. Oh, yeah. Stadiums
2: yeah. as well, you know, they're all referred to the, you know, the Marvel Stadium or whatever. Yeah, however.
0: the Alliance and all this, yeah. yeah. Um, the assistance of the league in obtaining prominent advertising space at all grounds. In particular, the league will assist Rothmans in obtaining advertising space at the Sydney Cricket Ground, including the painting of the Winfield logo on the grass during the competition final series. So this is how the ban of tobacco advertising is working out in Australia since 1976. They're
2: not leaving it to chance, are
0: they? Exhibiting floats and displays advertising Rothman's products during the grand final. So you imagine the amount of people watching that grand final, television audience, live audience. This is not an accident. The tobacco companies are very, very effective at advertising here. And it kind of brings me to where it starts getting a bit tricky for Formula One yeah, because they start getting squeezed, but they have a few inventive ways to get out
2: of the squeeze. I think this is the most interesting bit of the whole story, actually, Ian. So, yeah, as you say, like uh, Australia, 92, at the end of 92, right, you can't even have tobacco advertising in sport, and other countries progressively followed suit. And in Formula One, uh, they call those dark markets. So they're markets where they can't have uh, their branding on them. And that led to some really interesting things. So, for one, it led to Formula One adding races to the calendar that weren't dark markets. It had an impact on where races would be scheduled. Right. So, races got... Uh, Turkey got added to the, to the calendar. Yeah. Uh, Malaysia and also a race in China. And those three were all added specifically because they could have their tobacco sponsorship and, every, you know, like the local uh, regulations were fine, right? So... The tobacco sponsorship, not only was sponsoring the teams, but had an influence on where the sport would even be conducted. It's crazy that right? it's so
1: lucrative. They changed the the, the sport, basically. Correct. They changed the calendar of it.
2: The, the location, just to accommodate the tobacco wow. sponsors. So so that was fantastic. And then and then to go further, probably the, the bit that I like the best is in the countries where they couldn't have the sponsorship, they then sort of got creative um, and- That led to, in my view, some of the best paint jobs that Formula One has has had. I don't think the current paint jobs are as good as some of these creative, what can we do that doesn't say Benson and Hedges, but nudge, nudge, wink, wink, everyone knows it's Benson and Hedges anyway, right? And uh, so Jordan at the time had Benson and Hedges as the sponsor. And I think the best ever paint job for me, they had one that was uh, in place of the words Benson and Hedges, it had bitten and hisses and it had a snake coming down the front of it. It was yellow, and it just looked fantastic. I think, you know, perhaps you can pop some images up on Instagram or something for the Wheel of Sport fans, Ian, but... Oh, um, absolutely. Bitten and hisses look fantastic, and they had another car which was Buzz and Hornets, and they had a Hornet on the front, and, of course, that worked really nice with the yellow and black, right? Yeah. So it's still got the yellow Benson and Hedges colours. It's still the B and the H. It's the same font. It's on a bit of a slant. At, at, at a squint, you wouldn't you know, if you're... Bearing in mind that probably two thirds of the races it still said Benson and Hedges, right? So if you're a fan for the few races where it's Buzz and Hornets or you know Bitten and Hisses, who cares, right? Um, You know it was, was, but but it was creative. I think probably least creative. Um, So there was a team uh, and the tobacco sponsorship was West, right? So in countries where they couldn't have West, what would be your guess as to what they might substitute? Well. I was going to go with just an arrow pointing to the left. <laughs> have they gone with a different direction? That, that would be more creative. They just went with east. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be my next guess. <laughs> just flip west for east. Um, wow. Mac- McLaren, so they, you know, Marlborough was their sponsor at the time. They would just simply, instead of the word Marlborough, they'd put the word McLaren, which, beautiful, right? Still got the M. It's all in the same font. It's all in the same colours. Again, if you squinted, you wouldn't even know the difference, you know? Wow. Um, so certainly that whole sort of dark market, um, you know, tobacco sponsorship, how can we work our way around this, led to some fantastic uh, paint jobs and a little bit of creativity. So one interesting part is that there was an Israeli
0: company who were working, they were a tech company, and what they were trying to develop was these um, blue screen advertising boards, and so that you each television network could superimpose the advertising that was legal in their country. Wow. So uh, if you were at the race, all you'd see is a blue hoarding okay. and nothing on it. But it if didn't you get off the it, ground that then? No, but if you watched it on TV, on the BBC, you'd get one thing. If you watched it in Mexico, you'd get another thing.
2: So was this to be on the cars or was this on static boards?
0: Well, it was originally on static boards, but they were definitely were trying to see whether they could have it imposed on the cars. But clearly when they're moving so quickly, that, would that, be might, challenging. that might impact upon the viewer kind of enjoyment of yeah. it and if there's any glitches in it but um yeah that was that was a serious thing that they were trying to do and i would imagine that if you were a big tobacco company you might well see that israeli business out of uh, you know, you or have, or, or buy that technology yeah or buy that technology up and and never use it um, but that was a really interesting kind of aside. Another um, example of how you how you had to become creative to get around the legislation and the ban. So, yeah.
2: but look, I mean, eventually, you know, it, it all sort of caught up with them. And, and the nail in the coffin was in 2005. The EU banned all tobacco sponsorship in sporting events. Uh, and really, you know, Formula One—it's a global sport, but it's, its heritage is certainly European. So, so. Very reluctantly, Formula One in 2006 made the decision. Right, tobacco sponsorship is out, and it's interesting. I read the uh, the statement from the the person who was the the chief that made that decision at the time, Max Mosley, and and you know I can't quote it but I can assure you that his rationale had nothing to do with you know the health concerns about uh, tobacco users and there was absolutely no mention of that in the statement it was entirely around the fact that well you know um, you know tobacco sponsorship is increasingly banned around the world and um, you know by us continuing to have tobacco sponsorship other sponsors aren't coming in and uh, not a mention of the fact that there was any sort of basis for hey hang on a minute tobacco does a lot of damage and harm and you know, perhaps as a sport, we're going to take a higher grant. Ground- Zero, right? all of the money. It was entirely well. We think, you know, look, you know, financially, this isn't going to
0: continue to work. Essentially, what's interesting is France also uh, they um, had their ban in 1992 as well to parallel Australia, um, but they ha- it had a massive impact. It, it, they actually cancelled the motorcycle Grand Prix that year because of the tobacco funding had fallen through. Also, the Paris to Dakar rally suffered a 50% drop in participants because pretty much 50% of their drivers and their teams were all tobacco funded. funded. Tobacco. Yeah. And so it just dropped off a cliff. Um, and they actually um, only managed to maintain this ban in France because teenage smoking fell by 15% in the first three years right of the ban so that was compelling enough in a country where there was a lot of young teenage smokers for a 15 percent drop that was enough to convince the politicians and the public that they had to stick with this wow
2: yeah yeah and i wonder if that ultimately you know fed into the you know the final ban the total eu ban you know pointing to that success in in france i think germany banned it somewhere around a similar time as well so i guess they would have built up built up the data to support the decision but uh yeah certainly um you know a big impact
1: so so were there any other creative ways of getting around it then you mentioned the paint jobs
0: one creative way is the old-fashioned way getting your sportsman pictured at long lens smoking cigarettes on their spare time you know it's like wayne rooney got photographed smoking a cigarette uh and a luxury uh, Apartments in a swimming pool or something in america that's a big boost to tobacco when mm. you see oh this is a person of note who is not being necessarily paid to do this yeah. but they're smoking out of choice and they're a top flight athlete and mm. particularly people it's interesting that um, you move into alcohol as well in formula one which has become more prominent since tobacco has mm. fallen away but you never see on the ads uh, I think David Coulthard advertises Heineken. You never see him drink the beer, so uh, there's clearly that boundary that they're willing to cross. But he's there, uh, you know, serving drinks to other people and and the mm, like. So th- this creativity doesn't disappear. So it's really fascinating how they can kind of circumnavigate the legislation and how no- legislation keeps up as
2: well. Mm. Well, well, I guess, an extension of that is. You know, okay, so so Formula One tobacco sponsorships banned. Okay, that's pretty clear cut, right? So so we'd be safe to say we're in 2019 now. There's no tobacco sponsorship, right? Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> maybe not. It turns out that the Ferrari team, their primary sponsor, even today, is still Philip Morris. Mm. And in fact, and, and, I, and I couldn't verify this, but one uh, you know thing that I read suggests that actually Philip Morris just pays the entire to, to just own all the sponsorship for formula, for Ferrari and then they sublet out the bits that they can't use. But but they're still there. They're still Ferrari's primary sponsor. Uh, they argue that the rationale for that is around networking and business development and they can invite people to the races and these sort of things and it has nothing to do with, with trying to influence uh, consumers. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, it's, it's a very generous however many $100 million that they hand over to Ferrari every year to make that happen. And interestingly, this year there's been some uh, new sponsorship that's popped up on the Ferrari cars, depending on the country. This Miss and Winnow, a- and it's 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 a meaning it's a brand that no one's ever heard of. Um, and if you jump on the website and have a look at it, and and, and of course I did because I was curious. What's Miss and Winnow, What's that all about? It, you would scarcely know it had anything at all to do with tobacco it talks all about we're into technology and science and advancing achievement and and uh, basically it bullshit's on right but <laughs> it's, just, it's just a load
1: of fluff it goes it's a nowhere. load of
2: fluff but if eventually you get down there's a bit where it says something it it, it has it mentions smokers in one paragraph i could find and there was another picture it, it talks about the parties involved in this miss and Winnow and it's Ferrari and it's Ducati and it's PMI and when you it, you find at one point there's an image in the background where you learn that PMI stands for uh, Philip Morris International right but they, they they're not they're, they're keeping that pretty quiet you know it's just PMI everywhere PMI and Ferrari doing this and and Winnow you and it's this initiative to bring science forward and improve the world you know they're not giving up they're not giving
0: up, you know. Well, the interesting development in terms of tobacco, the industry, is that smoking the traditional cigarettes is, is falling in the developed world. The rise of e cigarettes, the tobacco companies are investing hugely in e cigarettes. Often the perception is the opposite that e cigarettes come along and they're a threat to yep. old tobacco. No, they're the future. But they're the future. And they've also, um, they're saying, oh, because it's a healthier way. Of smoking, but they know that if a, a younger person, a teenager, smokes an e-cigarette, they're more likely to jump over. So it's a, like a gateway yeah, to back okay. to old tobacco. Mm. So it's a, it is really fascinating, and it's kind of speaking of those lengths that they go to when the Australian um, ban came in in May 1992. Greg Matthews, who's a, as you all know is a famous Australian cricketer, spin uh, spin bowler, uh, he was photographed crushing a Benton and Hedges packet as part of an anti-tobacco campaign and a pro-health campaign, he got disciplined. Is that right? (laughs) The Australian uh, cricket board has since reworded its players' contracts uh, in order to prevent team members from damaging the reputation of the sponsor. So he, he he was basically, they were gagging the players and any personalities connected that might support health campaigns yeah yeah isn't that super? it's mad that isn't it so you're getting a sanction (laughs) like you are a sportsman you are often the epitome of health and strength and you know a good life and you're being prevented from doing what you're doing because of the damage potentially
2: to um your your cricket board's paymaster. so another way they're not letting it go too is in the um like the uniforms and the... Like, if you look at old footage of what the pit crew used to wear in the Ayrton Senna days, and then you look at the Ferrari team now, it looks almost identical. Mm. You'd hardly know that there'd been any change. Yes. They still have got all the same colour scheme. (laughs) But they... I mean, besides
1: just making it so obvious as putting uh, the name on there, they've gone through other routes as well, like the the barcode, famously. Yes, the barcode, uh, yeah. Coming in. And also... Um, the slogan is it better tomorrow or better tomorrow? That was on Williams, yeah, yeah. Which is
2: another. I think they're e-cigarettes or they're into something similar. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So, you know, you see these these words and these image these these images on the cars, and you think I don't really know what that is. But then, you, of course, I mean the barcode. Everybody knew what that was because all of the cigarette packs had the barcodes on, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the same. Apparently, it's that's one thing. that, that Marlboro's used for a long time as a bit of a substitute. Yeah, they, they, they got away with it, it for, for quite a while like, mm. um, before, obviously, finally being, being closed down. But they're constantly looking to... And I think uh, Ferrari are in trouble again this year for the Chevron and yep. the association, um, which is...
2: On the well, certainly for kids. the Melbourne race, they couldn't have the Miss and Winnow branding on it. They had to, I can't recall what they put on it now, but they didn't have it. But I noticed... And know, Bat-
1: Tomorrow as well was taken off. Yeah, so and it's too- sorry, I
2: said Williams before. That's on the McLaren cars at the moment. But yeah, yeah it was taken off for of the Melbourne one. But I saw in the Spanish Grand Prix recently, it was back on. So it's obviously quiet enough that it meets the European requirements. Yeah. It's, so it's- do
0: you think there'll ever be an Australian Grand Prix where all the cars are the same color as the cigarette packets in australia because <laughs> you know they did research to find the most unappealing color that you could have it in a, a any color and they put it on all cigarette packets in australia because australia is what the first country in the world was it to have plain packaged plain cigarettes package, yeah. and if you go into a, a a store which sells cigarettes you can't see they're all behind closed doors mm. you have to know what you're asking for all of this the tobacco companies are fighting this still massively.
2: Um, so clearly it's got an effect. <laughs> do they still? Like, I don't know anyone that smokes these days. I mean, in those plain packages, do you know? Because they used to have the images of, you know, here's a cancerous lung or something sort of disgusting. Yeah. Totally put, do they still have those Violations. in the plain packages? Yeah, yeah. they've they so.
0: also sought the permission of uh, people who have who've suffered terribly at the hands of uh, mm-hmm. cigarettes. And the their image of their family member is on some cigarette packets in Australia to really kind of hammer home...
2: So imagine if they had some of those, you know, gangrene fingers or whatever. That was the livery on the Formula One car. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Marlboro across the top. Yeah. They, they'd give them the name, couldn't they, right? Yeah, they course. had
0: that imagery. On one side of the car is the tobacco, on the other side is the consequence. The maybe, or, or the front and back. Maybe. Oh, Actually, <laughs> it's funny you
2: mentioned that. The, there was a team, uh, which was British American Racing, where they tried to have a car that had one lot of one cigarette brand on one side of the car and a completely different cigarette brand on the other side of the car. It was like their European brand and their American brand. The ugliest Formula One livery ever. Um, But they had to do it because they bought the team. Every team has two cars. And what they wanted to do was have one car have one, you know, it was a blue and yellow. I can't remember the brand of the cigarette. And another have, it was Lucky Strike. It was red, white, and black. And Formula One said, no, you're a team. Both cars have to be identical. So they said... All right then, we'll do a line down the middle, and we'll do half half, and they delivered the worst paint job in the history of Formula One. But
1: it's just led; <laughs> it's all led by the by the sponsorship,
2: right? Tightly, tightly. It's tightly. crazy, isn't it?
0: I, I don't understand why any Formula One team, uh, like, has or tobacco company hasn't uh, come up with the idea of using the a cigarette replica on the exhaust pipe. Surely. <laughs> You can put the filter on it, but surely that is the natural home for the cigarettes to sit. It's interesting that it goes so far back this history of tobacco and sports in baseball is in the US is probably the most famous incidents where baseball cards, which are worth tens of thousands now, were all in cigarette packets. You could only get these baseball cards to trade in cigarette packets, and so not only did that appeal uh to you know enthusiasts of the sport but also young children as well who would get the the baseball cards off the generally off their fathers or their mothers and would trade them but then Possibly save up their pocket money to buy cigarettes in an unregulated market, but it's interesting. You just kind of think of uh, tobacco being accepted in days gone by. But there was a, a protest uh, when Honus Wagner from uh, he was in the Hall of Fame as a second baseman in 1911. He protested against the association with, with tobacco and baseball. Yeah. yeah, and he demanded that the t- uh, cigarette company remove his picture from the tobacco trading cards. he's
2: 1911, he was a long way ahead of his time, wasn't he?
0: he I don't know Yeah, I don't know. He said, like, can you replace my picture with some kangaroo in his fingers? or <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs>
2: With a clogged long... It is but, a good point you make, though, about apo- appealing to kids because you can understand that. I mean, I know he doesn't smoke anymore, but growing up, my dad used to smoke. And once they're an adult, I mean, they just have a brand and they stick with it. They don't... I, I gather smokers sort of once they've decided right, oh, Marlboro's my brand, or what that's just what you smoke until you drop off the perch, I gather, or you're smart enough to quit. But uh, so you can understand, yeah, like you know, baseball cards and those kind of things, I guess if you can But input, they used to influence them cigarettes. when they're young. I remember candy cigarettes yeah, yeah. even in the eighties. They right? still exist yeah. but they call them some, I think they call them fags now it's much this, more subtle is it no, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is a clean they're, podcast world. they're, they're still on. around <laughs> anyway yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and uh, in the late 90s when new labor in the uk were trying to phase out tobacco and, and have this uh, strong public stand against tobacco advertising and so on one of the uh, people from the organization ash who are the anti-smoking organization they identify where tobacco companies really are um, successful in their advertising and who's most vulnerable to their advertising, etc. They estimated that tobacco companies would need to recruit at least twenty-five smokers a day to keep parity. <laughs> so
2: this is because twenty-five are dropping off at the other end.
0: Yeah. Wow. So partly because smokers die, and partly because people give up, mm. and th- and that was in the late nineties. They would have to recruit twenty-five smokers per day just to keep their market share and their hold Mm. so that when you think about it in those terms it that really brings it home that is a you know in australia today that's your average classroom size 25 people so how does this all break down in terms of numbers in terms of today like the overall sport clearly uh a formula one wouldn't be where it is now if it wasn't for huge tobacco money You're saying that Formula One is still massively influenced. Other players have come into the market like gambling companies
2: and things like that as well i mean i think of recent times it's been a lot more that the car manufacturers have come in so you've got renault you've got mercedes are in there now uh you know mclaren uh, you know these days has a road car and a lot of the reason that they can be viable is sales of cars whereas in the past the old teams the the the, the tyrols the lotuses those type i mean lotus did produce a car but um you know brabham and some of these type of teams that didn't used to be the case they were just a racing team I guess a little bit like the well you know Red Bull's perhaps a little bit of an approximation of that now you know I mean obviously Red Bull's an energy drink maker but I suppose they're a racing team that don't make cars that that they don't have any particular association with cars all they are is a racing team and you know in days gone by the teams like Jordan I mean it was just owned by a rich dude who you know liked to sort of party and, and have a bit of fun you know he didn't make cars he didn't sort of produce anything all he was was a racing team and and that was viable because of the tobacco sponsorship with the tobacco sponsorship gone teams have to have a a commercial rationale so of course ferrari's always sold cars but now you know the 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 top team at the moment is mercedes obviously a car manufacturer uh you, you know you've got you've got Renault in there you've got honda whilst they don't have a team at the moment but they're certainly supplying uh uh, supplying Red Bull Toro Rosso as well, um, so certainly it's that's been a noticeable change. The car manufacturers have, have risen up um, and have far more influence. Um, are you surprised? There's not more sort
1: of household brands step stepping into that that gap. I mean, obviously Heineken's in there, Red Bulls in there, um. Sillip Bang.
0: <laughs> that would be a good one.
1: <laughs> They're not there though, are they? It's it's sort of like that. I don't know the the high street shops.
0: The global ones or sports manufacturers,
1: mm. um, Net-
0: Netflix should be in there because their tagline could be "No spoilers." I, I, I'm in the wrong job. I should be <laughs> <laughs> But but,
1: it, but do you, do you find that surprising? I mean, I'm thinking of the some of the famous sponsors or the the sort of key sponsors now, and a lot of them they're not. They're not uh, things that the average consumer can buy. They're either luxury products, you know, expensive watches, expensive champagne, expensive yeah. pairs of jeans, but they're not things that the man on the street goes out and buys, like a packet of cigarettes, which is affordable yep. to absolutely everybody. Um, you know, I'm thinking about other energy drinks or other soft drinks besides Red Bull, which most people can afford and, and don't think twice about and, and obviously have huge market share. Um nobody's got that that sort of hasn't come in maybe a little bit of alcohol but
2: the hard part is you know you've got your ferraris and your mercedes that have such big budgets that your lower teams are really struggling to be competitive mm. and therefore it's hard to attract the sponsors because if the sponsor sponsors a team that's in the bottom of the grid yeah. at the back of the grid then they're not going to get much viewing time. <laughs> and therefore well, they don't get much much value for the sponsorship that they put in. So it's a little bit of a vicious cycle.
1: That's a really good point actually. I guess that's what we go back to with that Jordan example. If the quality of the drivers has dropped off because they're either not getting into the sport or going to other sports and they're not as competitive as they were because they don't have those mid table teams don't have the top don't have the capacity to get on the podium regularly. Well, what are the sponsors paying for? So they probably stay well away.
2: I mean, the Williams team is just so sad at the moment. They've got a fantastic heritage and and, and obviously, you know, they must have uh, skills and equipment and all the rest. They're using Mercedes engines. Well, Mercedes is the best team, so they've got good quality engines and yet they're so far behind. I mean, they're the bottom every single race if they finish. Mm. They're just terrible and and you'd have to think quite possibly won't survive. Uh, And they just... There's no sponsors around to give them the funding. It was only probably three or four years ago that they were podium finishers. Mm. Um, but there's just not the money around. So that what you've got is a few teams, Ferrari and Mercedes in particular, Red Bull doing well that have got big budgets and can spend and can consistently be at the top. But and it's an interesting mid-tier battle. Um, but but you know down the bottom end, it's it's very hard. And like I say, I mean probably you know Williams will vanish. Force India went broke last year. Uh, you know, it's, it's very difficult. So. so, so what do you, what do you anticipate
1: the future of the sport being in terms of, either where the sponsors will come from, or or just more generally the the competitive
2: nature of it. It'll be really interesting, and particularly it'll be interesting with the the um, I'm trying to think of the name, the Formula E, the electronic, uh, the electric car, yeah. uh, Formula. You know, whether at some point there's some sort of merging there. It's also at the moment Formula One is is. Pretty male focused, uh, and in the Formula E there are female drivers, and I think Formula One is well overdue for a female driver, yeah, uh, or more than one female. You know, McLaren I, I think- had a test driver a
1: few years ago. I remember. I was actually really surprised to to read that Formula One is one of the only sports globally um, which where, where men and women ostensibly can compete in the same in the same field. Exactly um, right. But and you'd think there'd be a lot of advantages to have. To have a woman behind the wheel, being lighter, generally speaking, generally you want generally drivers. smaller. Um, and there's
2: been women drivers in Indy, yep. Indy So yeah, there's so really successful. I don't know a yeah. name, but really successful. Yep. And like uh, I say, in Formula E, there's been form, uh, female drivers. So so it would. Uh, they've no, recently would be ban- Interesting around if, if Formula One can expand out and be not so male biased. Well, they're they getting rid of the grid girls. They've now, done aren't that. They? They've yeah. done that. I think that's been a good step um so that'll be a change and yeah just around you know do they will it always be internal combustion engines i think you know most fans hope so because it's got the sound and it's you know but i mean if if 20 years from now cars on the street aren't using you know fuel aren't using petrol they're using electric well then formula one's going to have to evolve isn't it so, yeah of course mm. solar solar formula one but adding add in like women
0: as well and opening up that opens up the advertising as well, correct? To another, you know, whole new market, th- whole yep. new market that's not as enthusiastic. And a lot of and other so sports, on.
2: like AFL, for instance, is very mm. much embraced. Like not just the, the, you know, the women's AFL, but really for the last ten or twenty years, trying to get more families, more women involved in the sport. That it's not just blokes going on a Saturday afternoon getting drunk, and and you know, definitely that's improved their their viewership on TV and what they can a, a, attract in terms of TV rights and sponsorship and everything. So, to me, that you know, if I was on the board of Formula 1, I'd be thinking about how can you make it more appealing to women because they're missing, you know, 50% of the world's population at the moment, I'd suggest.
0: Yeah, I think also there is a strategy in terms of, Matt, you were saying about, you know, everything's a luxury brand that they sell in Formula 1. But there is a strategy there, I think, you know, that they they sell you the dream and once you're in the shop, they sell you something affordable affordable (laughs) but probably a bit more of a stretch but it doesn't seem as big of a stretch because the watch that you saw on on the ad which was twelve thousand dollars well they're gonna you can save up and buy the six thousand dollar watch you're still walking out with a watch you can't afford or or you get an idiot who walks into a honda showroom walks out with a jazz yeah (laughs) (laughs) because
1: it's got the because it's got the flaps yeah (laughs) well even the merchandise i mean i was at the australian grand prix this year and i couldn't believe the the cost of just a T-shirt oh. or a cap or
2: a fridge magnet, oh, as in it was ex- uh, expensive. so expensive, really extraordinary. I think the cap and would have been the only thing I could afford, and I couldn't even bring myself to do that. Yeah, exactly. You're thinking it was like I? eighty bucks for a T-shirt. Yeah, and if you wanted one with a collar, like a polo shirt, I think that was 120. It's bonkers! It's bonkers,
1: it's bonkers <laughs> to
2: walk out with a T-shirt
1: covered in sponsorship <laughs> logos, yeah, walking yeah. billboard. they exactly. be paying you. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's mad how expensive. It is so. I think I think you're right there in the sense that Formula One obviously has a, a an opinion of itself or an image of itself that it wants to upkeep, which is this is an expensive sport for for rich people, and it maybe there's an elitism in there where they don't want to open it up, and that's why they charge, mm. uh, yeah, 80, eighty Australian dollars for a t-shirt,
0: <laughs> basic t-shirt. People buy them. Yep, there someone's buying them, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I suppose in summary, look, it, it really, really pains me to say that we perhaps if we're fans of Formula One, we, we have a debt to tobacco companies. I think <laughs> for that their is fair so. Formula One wouldn't be where it is today without tobacco sponsorship. But at the same time, to even contemplate, like even one of my favourite sports, snooker. Without tobacco, even when one of its stars, Alex the Hurricane Higgins, died um, not too many years ago of cancer caused by smoking, he was given free cartons of cigarettes. He never smoked. And he was given two free cartons of cigarettes when he played in the World Embassy Snooker Championship. And he tried to sue the tobacco companies because he said, I would never have started smoking if it wasn't for those free cigarettes obviously the law said you didn't have to smoke them you could have given them away or could have put them in a bin so it's your personal responsibility but it does open up a completely different image and hope hopefully this episode has kind of it's given me food for thought about you know and particularly with so many uh, english premier league teams sponsored by online gambling yeah, online gambling really the and, the yeah, and the insidious, yeah, and the insidious nature that that has, and kind of the emptying of poor people's pockets that can do. Uh, it's it's a real challenge, I think we have to. How do we fund sport ethically, and is it even possible? And how would our sporting world look? Well, maybe we'll have another uh, Money talks segment on the wheel soon. <laughs> well, only probability will tell <laughs> it. so we, we, we can only let the wheel the do size. its thing yeah. um paul you do the financial autonomy podcast which is tremendous i mean you're one of the few podcasts out there who do uh kind of really short um episodes or some longer form episodes but some just really nice you know things about superannuation or what to do with buying a house and uh or what what not to do that your parents did and all those type of things which i'll be honest I find quite boring, but I listened and it's great it's like you just bring it to life and bring it in such an amenable and uh you just give a focus to each episode which is great so tell us where,
2: where can we find uh your podcasts? yeah well thank you for those kind words Ian. yeah no it's good and, and you're right i try to keep it sort of 10 minutes pretty short and sharp so that uh because you know they're potentially dry subjects so we don't want to be boring people but yeah it's good to hear that that you know we've managed to make it engaging so no, thank nothing you nothing that worries us on this podcast <laughs> dry subjects We <laughs> but uh yeah look certainly you know financial or Autonomy.com.au is, is the home. Uh, but of course from a podcast point of view, all your normal, you know, iTunes and Google what is it, Google Play? Oh, I should know, should know? What, what's yeah, the Google yeah, equivalent? Oh, the, you, well you can Google it, can't you? you can Google it. Financial autonomy is the one you're looking for. So thanks very much for having me on. I've had a great time. Well Thank we'll put so the much. link in the
0: show notes as well. Um, but thanks so much, Paul. We should also note that financial autonomy is sponsored by Philip Morris. Uh- <laughs> 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 and if if Philip Morris are listening, throw some cash our way. Yeah, throw some cash our way. That would be. That'd no, be great. I don't want it. I don't want it. We're above it. We're better than that. <laughs> well thanks so much for listening to another episode of the wheel of sport the greatest sports stories ever told (laughs) reviewers wherever you get your podcast that would be much appreciated follow us on instagram or twitter get in touch with us um whichever way you find convenient. we'd love to hear from you and also any fact checkers out there we we probably don't want to hear from you but you can send us a message anyway thanks so much paul yeah thank you paul Thanks, Matt. Cheers, man. Thanks, and we'll man. see you next time on Bye. the Wheel of Sports. Bye. Bye.